0: Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Ferguson Chicago. Today we talk about Coke with uh, Laura Visco, who is the creative director, and Armando Potter, who is the lead strategist uh, at uh, 72 and Sunny in Amsterdam. What was really what attracted me to this whole Coke uh, theme today is uh, obviously, Coke is a brand that, in marketing circles, everybody uh, has great respect for in terms of the quality of the work. It's done over the years, and and Coke has always been a brand that's been about sort of togetherness and connection through sort of a lens of optimism. And I think when we when we looked at the pandemic and what many brands were grappling with throughout this year was uh, how do you begin to speak about the pandemic and the various phases of it. And that's what I think uh, Coke in this, but this particular campaign, which was the George the Poet, uh, open like never before campaign was so great because it was able to execute through the values of the brand and looking at, at those values um, and expanding upon them in a way that was relevant for that sort of moment in time or that period in time. As uh, as the guys say in this interview, being an optimist when it's very hard to be optimistic is a tough brief, uh, but they do a great job. And George the Poet, with the whole campaign... Uh, launched uh, earlier this year, there'll be different phases that come out of it. Uh, But that whole idea of open, open like never before, really worked well as a line, not only because it makes sense given the product is a product you have to open, but in a very literal way, but also in the idea of us coming through the pandemic with more open minds, more open hearts, more open attitudes, uh, I think was was really terrific so i think that's all i wanted to say to set us up so this is lara visco and armando potter 72 and sunny in amsterdam and we talk about george the poet and open like never before here's the spot enjoy
1: So, wait Who says we have to go back to normal? Back to anything. What if the new normal ain't the normal we knew, and we can't just do what we'd formerly do? What if the biggest change is you and me? What if we choose to be open and say, I will, I will never call, call my job unimportant again. again. I will never say the teacher's, teacher's holidays are too long. long. Well, the school is dry, and I can't wait to move on. My ears are not my earphones. What if I listen? What if I'm missing how bright your eyes glisten? What if I just smile a bit, travel less, and love love every mile mile of it? What if I believe in the change? My cooking, my My music, and do. Hey, what if I don't dance? But just for you, I might give in to the rhythm soon. I might give in to the rhythm soon. What if I refuse to be a stranger in my own living room? And I'll learn my lesson from a bad memory. And I'll keep social distance from bad energy. And I'll prove that funny. (laughs) Be sexy any day. But I'm still cute anyway. What if my dreams never, never take the back seat again. again? What if I'm there whenever you need a friend? You know, what if I celebrate my skin, my body, my hair every day? Even Mondays. <laughs> and I stand by it every word I say. I'll make my vote count, make my voice heard today. You know what? I will never, never, never say the city has too many tourists again. I'll leave like a woman. I'll have a family of dozens. I'll give my little nephews and nieces some cousins. I'll stay right beside you. I'll say yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, I do. See, I'll never forget how much stronger we are together. I'll carry that in my heart forever. (laughs) We'll weather the storm. So I'll be open like never before.
0: So we're excited to have both of you here. Laura, of course, is... uh, is that the creative on this business a part of i'm sure there was there was uh, others who were a part of it too is the same with armando and uh, so we're really excited to have the creative and strategy partnership represented in the conversation and so um i thought we could just start off by by talking about the relationship that you guys have with coke at 72 and sunny amsterdam um how long have you been working with Coke? was it was it was it a pitch originally
2: uh, Laura, you've, you've been on it the longest, if you wanna.
3: Yeah, I, I can I can uh, reply this one. So yeah, we've been working for the Coca-Cola Company uh, for two years now, mainly on Fanta and Sprite and and Fizzy uh, as well. Mainly on the EMEA region. So um, yes, yeah, Western mainly on Western Europe. Uh, this was our actually our first uh, ever brief for coca
0: I kind of assume then there's a, there's a portfolio of agencies, uh, or were you and and they were maybe all given the brief, or was it just given to seventy two and sunny, uh, the brief for this particular project.
3: On this particular project, everything just ran a little bit different. Just a, a phone call from one of our clients saying, "Hey, we're going to stop uh, all advertising uh, um, to divert," you know the. All the media spent to you know the the crisis relief uh, for Corona in 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 Europe. We need uh, a social post to communicate that. Uh, so basically, at the very beginning, we were just like helping out with uh, with uh, with the social post communi- communicating uh, yeah what they were going to do. We never really had a like, a like a formal briefing or pitching process.
0: What was happening at the time that? that coke we we obviously know pandemic but in in terms of their business what happened for them when the pandemic struck
2: yeah so literally we we got the brief like probably the day we went into lockdown in amsterdam um so like the day of obviously that wouldn't have hit the business that that hard but they knew that sales were going to drop particularly because of uh horica all the restaurants and and sort of cafes and shops were closing so there was an anticipation that literally people are not going out to the places where you can buy Coke cans. Um, I mean, I make to some to some extent it's like a little business proof because like you can, you can still get it through delivery, you can still get it in sort of the grocery stores, but a big chunk of their of their of their sales in Horica was just about to go away.
0: Um, so explain what Horica is. I didn't uh, know what this yeah, was. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's uh, uh, hotels, restaurants, cafes. Okay so, so they,
0: that's that's a that's a massive part of their business, right? These these partners, these distribution elements.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's something like forty percent of their sales, at least. At least I, I heard that number for for Europe or Western Europe. So a, a big chunk. I think what was interesting for us was that Coke didn't at the start they didn't come out and tell us, "Hey, we need to solve this." business problem first they actually said how do we sort of uh solve the people problem first how do we sort of uplift and unite our sort of from our core values at a time when people are sort of at their lowest and uh and and aren't feeling united and on top of that what do we as a brand stand for what will we stand for sort of after we turn our advertising back on. So it was the cultural and people part of the equation first that Coke was more concerned with at the start and then um the sales came first because they were what what I loved when we first jumped into this is like we can't make this about us immediately. This is not this is the, uh, at least not us from a from a selling bottles standpoint. This this has to be more uh sort of a point of view in the world. And so they were they were they were quite uh explicit in that desire at the start of this brief.
0: I was excited there to hear that you guys also work on Fanta and Sprite. Can we talk first uh, about a little bit about Coke's positioning and then I want to talk and contrast it with Sprite if you guys are able to do that. I'd love to get a sense of how as sort of a portfolio of brands, how you sort of think about where they where they live together and and distinctly. So, can we start first with Coke? How how is Coke uh, positioned, or uh, in, in uh, how does Coke want to feel uh, that it is positioned in the world?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll take Coke, and then I'll throw Spite and Fanta to Laura. She's she full credit to her. I came in in the midst of her building those brands in, in Europe, so I just inherited goodness. But with Coke, um, both in Europe and, and sort of on a, on a global scale, their big values have always been togetherness, connection. Tonally, they're about optimism. Um, and, and that's baked through and through no matter where you are. Whether I was, I mean, that was what it was when I was in, in the US, that's what it is here. Uh, specifically in Europe where they're trying to push though and evolve that a bit is, is, is pushing empathy as well as, as a core purpose of theirs. Still very connected to where Coke has been, but, you know, those are, there's, there's a, a bit of a nostalgia factor, I think, that comes with some of those words. Uh, it's very much uh, a, a, a social and, and communal brand. Um, and because of that, and Coke has been around the longest and is the biggest, I think, on a cultural level. level. So those, those, those sort of feelings of connection and togetherness are just rooted in cultural touch points uh, along the way, you know, whether it was like up on that hill with some of the some of the early work, but even if you just think about like summertime and movies, like Coke is there with you too. So it's it's very rooted in, in those uh, together moments.
0: And so, it, it, is is American culture or Americanness a part of the brand anymore? Because it it, it was in the past.
2: Uh, that is a good question. I, I think you can't separate Coke from Americanness, but I do think the brand has done a good job of sort of owning itself and being itself without like, you know, and, and, and Laura's, Laura's lived in more places than me, so I'll throw this to you, what you think about that question. I, I at least even just being in Europe, sure, it's an American brand, but I think it, it has its own identity here in Europe that doesn't, that isn't so inextricably linked to the U.S. What
0: do you think, Laura?
3: Yeah. To be honest, I, I never really linked um, Coca-Cola to Americanism. I think um, it turned itself into a, you know, a kind of a naive, uh, optimist brand. You know, always seeing the glass half full in in everything. I think right. if you, on, at least at like top of my mind, the, the latest um, the the campaigns I, I always remember, like for instance, reasons to believe. Um, or the security cameras one, or like even like very back in the days, helped up. I think every, every they all embody, uh, you know, the um, optimism and, and like not blind, but like always wishing this this a better world and a better uh, way we can all connect uh, with, with each other. Um, that I thought that that's the core of a brand, if that's uh, American or not. Um, I mean, as a non-American, I see those are very universal values, not
0: yeah, I agree. American
3: values. Uh, I think it, Coke actually did a really good job of at you know pushing itself as a as a more of a global brand and keeping some of that uh, heritage um, you know from from the very beginning of it, obviously in 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 America, but did a good job of you know owning global
0: optimism. How is Sprite different? How do you think of Sprite?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, historically, Sprite has always been the youth brand, right? Um, and you can even separate that from Fanta. Fanta was the teen brand, more, more you know, kids. Sprite was more sort of that college youth. Um, Sprite always had a bit more of an attitude, a bit more of an edge. Um, yeah, if if Coke was was sort of about connection and and nostalgia sprite had a little bit more of an attitude a little more independence not to say that you know the the brand of sprite wasn't uh about friends cuz very much you know, the 20 something it was but you know historically sprite aligned itself with hip hop music and and um and uh basketball and, and that was just sort of the Base sprite play. Even when you put those two things, what we just said about Coke and what we said about Sprite, you can see how they feel different.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Owning the urban world and having a bit of an edge as a brand, and you know, um, associating uh, yourself with that uh, with that scene. I think for for Fanta, is quite easy. Fanta is fun with friends and you know, very teenager. I think we 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 did a good job at. Adding a purpose to it with the campaign we did that is not really purposey, which I think is is very important. You know, it's like how do we bring back play to the agenda? You know, play because it's I mean, we live in a super productive world that sees play as as a, as a waste of time. How can we you know hero the the people that are still keeping Play alive for for all of us, and I think we, we did a good job at understanding uh, that target audience and and you know putting a purpose on Fanta that um, yeah just doesn't feel serious or purposey. I think that's a there's always that thing you know with, uh, when you work on a brand and adding a purpose to it, and it doesn't necessarily mean to bring seriousness to it. I think you can still um, have a super fun brand, but attach a purpose to it.
0: So th- this brings up a question that I think um, many planners um, uh, enjoy uh, the answer to, and many creatives do too. Um, particularly when there's a creative who is who is very strategically oriented, who has a an interest in strategy, which I think you do, Laura. By the way, you're talking about it. Um, why do you need a planner? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, need a, you always need a planner. I mean I can have an intuition but I don't have yeah I mean it's a it's a discipline that you have to respect uh, obviously um, and also I think that complementing um, complementing each other uh, I, I also really like uh, strategies that have a super strong sense of creative uh, which Armando also, does that, that mean that Armando can write the, the the campaign? I don't think so. But we can complement each other in in what we do. I think it's a yeah. The the I think the world the, the world in advertising is not that binary anymore. I think we all became a little bit hybrid on yeah. on everything, but we are still specialized on something. You know, can I write the strategy? Of course not. <laughs> Can I have a sense of what a good strategy is? Yes, I think that that is the main. The I think that is the main difference. I don't know, Armando. How, yeah, how?
2: Be, yeah. I, th- I think you. I think you nailed it. And, and and we'll we'll get into this sort of like showing the cards a bit, even with 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 open like never before. I think the brilliance of this project literally just just answered what Laura just said in that the lines between strategist and, uh, and creative and, and even brand person, account person, they were very blurred with this. And everything went in reverse. It wasn't strategy first and then create, it was totally creative first and strategy, figuring out what, is, what are the deeper things within it that that we, we can keep pulling the thread through. So uh, I, very much, I think a symptom of COVID, and that the sort of traditional rules w- weren't there. But it was fun to work with that and sort of um, mix those roles up a bit.
0: So, uh, Laura, just to go back to that, what do you turn to the strategists to do for you? what What is it that they do for you that you can't do yourself, or you feel you can't do yourself?
3: I think if knowing that someone has a different set of eyes on, on the same on the same thing, which for me, it's so much needed to to actually make good work um, because I will always I mean I can't help having creative eyes on something uh, because I mean that's my background. You can have a sense of a strategy, but you're not going to be so rigorous about it because for you it's creative first, uh, not the strategy first. So, actually, having someone you trust and a, and a good pair of untrusted eyes on, on, on that for me is is key to, to be able to do work that uh, makes sense, that performs, and that is brilliant in many ways, not just creative, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah.
3: And uh, not just try, you know, uh, trust my eyes because they're always going to be
0: biased <laughs> in
2: a certain way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amanda, what do you think? Well, I mean, even just bouncing off, like I'm mean, even just thinking of all the times we've, we've riffed with each other. I mean, the beauty of working from home. One of the things about working from home is you can actually have conversations while work is being read, like to check if we're on the same page sort of thing, you know, because you can type to each other in a way you can't in person. But um, I love what happens all the time. Literally what Larja said, she, she's just checking this different perspective and all the time, we have the exact same perspective, but I, I am. I'm coming at it for more of a strategic. She's coming at it for more of a creative. And sometimes we just need to figure out when having the conversation with clients, well, which is actually the input that's better for the discussion right now? Like yeah. sometimes just saying it the strategic way just makes more sense. And other times, it's actually more of a creative thing. There's strategy behind it, but, but the creative is really what the client is having a conversation with. And, and so it's, it's just navigating those two worlds, even if we happen to be talking about the same thing, it's just, it's, it's, it sounds cliche. It's it's the two sides of the same coin.
0: So let's come back to the client brief. So the client, the client calls, just let's uh, kind of summarize what, what uh, the client brief was, and then how did you interpret it? Do you want to start on that Armando? Uh,
2: yeah. So in sort of its simplest form, really what the client was asking was, We have these sort of, we have these core values of uh, uplifting and uniting people. How do we do that now in a COVID world where people don't feel uplifted and they don't feel united, but even on a, maybe a more macro sense, we know what we stand for right now. And then we don't want to change what we stand for. This is the beauty of Coke. They have stood for the same things for, you know, a hundred plus years. Not a lot of brands can say that. So it wasn't an ask about how do we pivot coming out of COVID, except not, not even, just this first wave. That was the other thing I kind of had to keep training myself. I was like, we're not done with COVID yet, but we were thinking about this first wave. But how do we understand Coke's position in a COVID world? And that was really what they were asking. They knew that, they, that, that Coke has a place in culture and has a point of view in the world. But what does that mean? Now that all these things have changed and that's really what they wanted us to help them figure out because they were going to they were, they were have the uh, media and communication turned off for all of Q2. So they went silent, but in Q3, we've had that time to sort of think and observe and, and take all this in. What is it we're putting out in the world to show that, that you know, we sort of uh, are reacting and responding to the world around us?
0: And so, at that time, and it's 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 always super easy in retrospect to kind of look back and get on that and go, okay, I can see where where everything makes sense now. But in the moment, I mean, you guys didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what sort of a message would would be right for that moment because nobody knew what the next moment was going to be. So, what were you, what were you guys doing and sort of thinking through? in order to get sort of anchored in a a reality where nobody knew what the next damn reality was going to be. I mean, how do you, how do you plan for something that doesn't have a predictable path?
2: You had to keep updating in the process. And in all honesty, we got to the, I, that's why when I said earlier, the, the creative actually came first and the strategy followed. Which sort of makes sense in a world where you can't like see the future, strategy flounders a bit. There's, there's not a lot to grasp. And so the the creative came first, and I'll, Laura, I'll let you talk about this. But that open came very early in the process.
0: Tell us about that, Laura.
3: What kind of optimism, optimist brand can say in a moment where actually being optimist is very difficult.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, so creatively we thought like what if actually address the elephant in the room which is the new normal you know uh, it can sound you know very very scary about what if it's actually it's the opposite there's something to learn from all of this you know maybe this can be our opportunity uh, to start over you know more humble and, and better than we've we, we've ever been which sounds a bit a bit naive but as we said is a little bit of a naive archetype so uh, we thought uh, actually just posing some questions on, on this was the right thing to do. Um, and seeing that the, the, the glass, you know, not half empty but half full. Uh, and the thing about openness is like, yes, you can think all of that if you actually keep yourself uh, open to change. Yeah, things are changing, but if you resist it, it gets a lot more difficult. But actually, if you stay open to it... Um, Maybe you can actually learn and, uh, from what's actually happening, and then we 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 have the chance to you know uh, get out of these in a in a in a in a better uh, in a better way and better than before. So that was a message that we wanted to to convey. Um,
0: so you so you could have come at it. I mean, I think on, on a superficial level you could have looked at the the core attributes of togetherness and connection and optimism. And you could have said, well, you know, we're all together even more so than we've ever been in the past because we're together as a family. I mean, that whole thread of together could have gone on forever. Right. Um, But you've, but you found yourself in a much richer space with this sort of questioning of, of what normal normal is. Did that come after, did that, did that just come out of the gate did that take some time to brew? I mean, I've got to think you went through a number of iterations of maybe some other ideas before you got to this one, or no?
2: No, open was <laughs> super. It was super early in the process, and even what you were just saying—that we're all in this together—we were already watching that happen with other other brands. Were going straight to that. Yes, they were. Yes, right. Were. That felt like a very obvious place, and kudos to all the creators on, that worked on this. They pushed it further. That that didn't that idea didn't even come back in early rounds i think because it was just it's just too superficial i guess maybe that's a rude word to say but it was just it didn't feel right not if this was where we really wanted to take coke so no like uh, i know it sounds like you no know, you had to have gone to others but no like literally first creative review this idea of open was was at the start
0: i love it that's great so 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 tell us tell us about the uh uh, about that about that process, uh, Laura. So there's there you come up with this idea of open and this and this open this line open like never before. I mean, I, I when I first saw the spot and at the end of the spot when that line, uh, I think it's read out or it's or it's it's up on screen. But I was like, oh man, that was like the perfect ending mm-hmm. to a great spot because it was because open had many different meanings and uh, and it rooted it both in the product and in what was going on in culture at that time.
3: That was actually the um, the first thought we had. We didn't really have the poem or George, but we were we re- really liked that line um, that actually came up in the in the very first iteration of the creative. Uh, we like we liked it because as I said, like talking about openness, we thought it was very important in a moment like this you know in a moment when like you're not able to you know leave your country or, or leave even your home um, when the, the world is in lockdown i think in a way we shut down as as people too, whether we want it or not uh, you know i think what what the what the lockdown and, and everything that's happening is in triggering in in people it's like you all of a sudden start you know comparing your country to the to the to your neighbor you 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 see whose country which country is uh doing best (laughs) with all the pandemic response and and all of that and all of a sudden you're like you're becoming a lot more narrow-minded than you thought you know just because Geographically, you're not able to go anywhere, and that has a psychological impact in, in everything that you do. So we thought about talking about openness was the right thing to do, and the, the like never before <laughs> aspect of it is because we never experienced any anything like this. So we we thought actually just staying open minded to whatever is next is the is the, the the right approach to come out of this crisis better than
0: before. What would you say, Armando?
2: Well, to add to that, I would say also just strategically that word open. Because you had asked a little earlier, well, how do you, how do you even go, begin going about doing any of this when you don't even know what's going to happen next? The beauty of open is that there's a flexibility to it. It can be as much about the literal sort of uh, opposite of the closed doors and closed shops and sort of closed borders that were happening. But what what we liked was that more emotional, uh, figurative sense of open, of open minds, open hearts, open attitudes. You're allowed to flex in between any of that. So as things change, open can change with it. So at least for me personally, strategically, I'm like, that's such a brilliant word. And it's so intrinsically tied to Coca-Cola too. So it was yeah. sort of that perfect melding of the values of Coke and the realities of our audience in our new world that came together that allowed. And then, the, and then like never before, it's just like, you get it because we all know that we've experienced nothing like this before. So that's why I'm saying like the creative is crack. But then once you see those words, you start to strategically figure out what that means. And it allows us to like play with it and flex it beyond um, maybe where our mind originally went.
0: So where did George, the poet come from? Where did that where did the idea of using George the Poet what 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 was the beginning of that thought, Laura?
3: Yeah. So we knew from the from the start that this message should come from people, not from big corporations. So yeah, it shouldn't sound like a brand manifesto. Um so we, we started thinking, okay, who is the right person to to deliver a, a, a message like this? You know, we wanted to bring Together, all the lockdown experiences and realizations together in in, in a poem, and um, we're like thinking, okay, who who is the right person to do this with us? And then uh, we saw George. I mean, he, he was like super active the, during the lockdown with his podcast and, and 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 everything, and he somehow embodies, you know, the resilient optimism that we wanted to campaign with this campaign. Not like. Not being super naive, actually, and saying, "Oh, everything is going to be fine." Well, no, it's it's uh, it's difficult times. A lot of people are having a really tough time at the moment. So, the realness of George was something that uh, we really uh, liked and and was much needed for this campaign. So, yeah, we worked him with a skeleton of the poem.
0: Um, Had you guys developed? Did you did you brief? George, or was it from some of his existing work? The the genesis of this, or or what?
3: No, no, no. we were thinking with a with a poem wrote by us, <laughs> basically, and with all the topics that we wanted to cover. You know, every almost every single line touches on on on, on a, a topic that we wanted to to talk about, like the you know, appreciation for teachers, appreciation with you know a different relationship with our bodies. You know, in the lockdown, our partners. The travel ban um even yeah female empowerment um uh, lots of different topics, so we brief him with a skeleton of it, uh, and yeah, he just added a lot of magic
0: was there a reason why spoken word uh, spoke to you guys?
3: yeah, I think like um in a way, you know poetry is. One of the very first and pure, purest and rawest <laughs> yeah. forms of communication, and without exactly that was exactly what is needed for this campaign. Not the typical voiceover, you know. Um, we we just needed to touch a fiber and in a way a typical manifesto and and um, and voiceover really couldn't do. So we thought, uh, yeah, just partnering with someone that can re- really really get under the skin of people in a way that sometimes advertising cannot do but poetry does. Um, yeah I and mean also we thought that uh, just writing a poem about this and then being able to execute that poem in, in different ways, one one of them obviously was a film but then we also had it on, on Out of Home too. Um, we thought it, it was a way of also bringing some longevity to the to the campaign. Um, like it wasn't just like a, a voiceover written by by a, a copywriter in an advertising agency, yeah. but, you know, a poem wrote by Georgia poet. Because in a way, you know, at you know, come and go, but poems uh, stay. And I think that that is what makes people really like the execution, because it, you feel, you really feel like it, it, it talks to you, you know. Um,
0: yeah. And I think, I think if, I mean, I remember, I remember uh, the impact that uh, Kate Tempest's spot for Facebook had, I mean, and her work, I mean, I was personally blown away, tears rolling down my face because that just landed at a time of great uh, uncertainty. And it was so beautifully done, but it was done based upon one of her existing uh, uh, uh poems which was a little different to hear so there was that sort of the ability to sort of customize it a little bit more with you guys
4: was that a pivotal historical moment we just went stumbling past Oh, well, here we are dancing in the rumbling dark so come a little closer give me something to grasp give me your beautiful crumbling heart We're working every dread day that is given us Feeling like the person people meet really isn't us Like we're gonna buckle underneath the trouble Like any minute now, the struggle's gonna finish us And then we smile at all our friends Even when I'm weak and I'm breaking I start weeping at the train station Cause I can see your faces there is so much peace to be found in people's faces.
3: Well, I think it was quite obvious that, you know, spoken word touches a fiber uh, in a way that uh, just uh, normal advertising, yeah, I would say, it just like really couldn't do. I mean, I, I cried a lot when I saw that. Yeah. I cried a lot. Uh, I think my thought on, on that is like if we are able to do the same but in an optimistic way, you yes. know not' something that it feels nostalgic about the fa- uh, the past but it makes you feel uh, you know full of hope about the future I think we can we can definitely uh, nail that I, I think I've actually quite uh, Curious that you mentioned in that, that ad, because it actually came out at the same time we were like uh, con- concepting this and actually the concept was locked. I was like, oh my God, someone else used the <laughs> word. What are we going to do? Um.
0: <laughs> As you went through this, Armando, was there a lot of hand-holding that needed to happen with the client in terms of questions or doubting the direction or were, were things happening in culture that were that through the pandemic at that, that, that stage? That were you were requiring you guys to add something into the spot or take something out, uh, or was it fluid at all during that time?
2: If anything, we were hand holding each other. Not one, not sort of us holding the client's hand. Um, there was, there was. Uh, I, I think it had to work that way, you know. Uh, right. You know, in, uh, in sort of. The biggest thing for me to learn was, was and Laura said this, just drop the assumptions. Like, this mm-hmm. was not a typical way of working at all. Creative came first, strategy was second. We were all sort of wearing all hats, and even the client, too, in that way. Like, we, we were talking with the client every day. Like, we, and all the other things in the business was going on, too. So it's like, it wasn't like this was the only thing, and you just had to make it work. And so it was less about hand holding because we were sort of, sharing our thoughts and ideas uh, on, on a regular daily basis that we were just thinking in real time with each other. So at least, I don't know if there's any handling for production, but like through the, the core of the process, it didn't feel like that.
0: Tell us, uh, tell us about how this rolls out. Uh, so George the Poet Spot launches. Um, tell us about the other components, how it rolled out through social, paid media. What was, what was the sort of the technical rollout Uh, once it began
2: uh yeah it was i mean it was it was a it was a relatively straightforward rollout we had uh uh parts of the poem teased uh and out of home i believe social is that correct laura yes yeah and then we had then the big launch came, and then from that there was more uh there was more sort of cut downs fifteens tens uh in in social as well, as well as sort of the big the greater uh out of home um uh a portion of the campaign that was a non tease
3: yeah, and then and, some markets also did like projections of uh, some parts of a poem in
2: nice.
3: in buildings some. Um, yeah, it's like we yeah, we gave them the brief of like, okay, how can you hero the poem in different ways? And yeah, they they also did some nice installations and projections of, of some
2: lines of it, which was super nice.
0: Why was out of home important when we were all in
2: lockdown? The reality is when this was coming out, we were starting to come out of lockdown. Okay. Uh, um and I think even just strategically, if you think about it, there there is a, um, we're starting to come out of lockdown. We're trying to inspire confidence in people to sort of move to this next stage. Uh, a, a message like this from such a big brand of Coke, like Coke, sort of, um, it uh, destigmatizes being out, you know, being outside your four walls. It, 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 it creates a, a comfort level. And I mean, in all honesty, eyeballs will see it because people were starting to finally come out at that time. So purely from just a, a, a eyeball sense that that worked. But just more on, the, on why it worked with the message of the campaign is it inspired people in the place where they needed to be inspired and sort of get out of maybe where their mind was locked down before.
0: Where does it go from here? Is there another is there another stage or phase in the campaign that we're about to see?
2: There's another phase that, that's more uh, focused with Horica and and uh and 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 uh sort of coke in the shops.
3: Yeah. Uh we shot like a second part of the campaign to yeah, same concept, different tonality, but uh yeah, to support uh, the Horican partners. I think it's obviously due to regulations right now in in, in Europe. Uh, and yeah some countries actually going back into lockdown it hasn't been deployed in, 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 in every market and um, yeah for obvious obvious reasons uh, and all, we're also preparing another campaign for Q2 for, sorry for Q1 but we can't really talk about that one
0: <laughs> right I understand so a um, couple of final things one would be obviously the pandemic, uh, was a reality, but it's it, certainly the creative mind doesn't stop thinking about the ways that this could roll out. And I've got to think that maybe I'm wrong, but I've got to think you guys had a couple of big tactical ideas that you couldn't execute on because it was uh, uh, because of the lockdown. But can you share with us some of the ways that you thought about this rolling out that in normal times, it would have rolled out that way tactically some ideas that unfortunately, weren't able to get executed?
3: yeah we actually presented a campaign that it was about countries opening up to tourism again um, in in Europe and it was almost like a, a love letter to you know these countries and inviting people to Travel there again, but obviously because tourism is so complicated right now in europe we weren't yeah we weren't able to 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 deploy a campaign like that one also because things can change any minute, and you know a country can be considered uh cold red or orange uh, overnight
1: yeah
3: um yeah, obviously. We, we, I mean, we really liked the campaign, but it was just like very difficult to deploy. If we actually proceeded with taking that into, uh, yeah, taking that notion of open like memory for, you know, how is a country, how is a, a country open like memory for, uh, which we felt in love with, but then it was just like not doable <laughs> from very practical um, from a very practical standpoint.
0: Laura Visco, Deputy Executive Creative Director, and Armando Potter, Strategy Director, 72, and Sunny in Amsterdam. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be here today.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. And we'll see everybody on the next episode.